Good morning, good morning. Boker Tov to all, and a Chodesh Tov, even on this Chodesh of Menachem Av, we say Chodesh Tov. Uh, I'm just buying time while I'm still doing the technology. One more second, go live. Let's hope that's it. Uh, it's a Chodesh Tov, it's a new beginning, Chodesh Chadash, new beginning, fresh start, a new opportunity to work on our Amunah and Bitachon, and there is no better time for a fresh start and new beginning than the month of Menachem Av, when we're trying to turn things around. And we will, hopefully from sitting on the floor in mourning and grieving, to getting up off that floor and to doing what we need to do in order to be able to welcome and to bring Moshiach. I want to thank our sponsors for this morning. First of all, the series sponsor for this year, Living with Amuna, Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan. Thank you so much for your generous sponsorship. Le'ilu Nishmas in memory of our dear friend whose first year site is rapidly approaching, Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit who is a role model to so many of us of living with Amuna, everything that we talk about in this class. Also, this particular class is sponsored generously by Leo and Lucy D. of Efrat, in memory of Leo's great-grandfather, of Yudah Halevi, and uh, by Bela Smith, in honor of Aryeh Leib ben Bela Rachel, a continued of Shlema, and a recitation of Tehillim for a good outcome for his forthcoming tests. Mirza Hashem, we should hear good news, and he should be well, he should have a complete and a speedy and a whole Rafua Shalema. Okay, thank you for being with us this morning. We continue to learn of Itamar Schwartz. We're in the home stretch, really finishing it up. His beautiful essay of Da is Bitchonecha. Know your Bitachon. And we've been defining it. I want to belabor the point and review altogether. But what Bitachon is all about, it's trust. It's trust. And the last thing that we've been developing is the notion that we have all kinds of trust in every area of our life. We trust when we're going to cross the street that we're not going to get run over. We trust that we don't have a blind spot that we can't see. We trust when we take the medicine or we pick up the takeout food that it's not poison or contaminated and it's not going to kill us. We trust in the bank and we trust in our insurance and we trust in... There are all kinds of areas and arenas of trust all around us that define our lives. And they really represent a nugget. They represent an internal ability to trust. The problem is that we misplace that trust. We place the trust in people and things. We put the trust in ourselves instead of realizing that that engagement, that encounter, that experience with trust is really there in order to understand that we can trust in Hashem, that He is the source of all, that ain't od mil vado, there is nothing and there is no one but Him, that everything that happens to us, it's not random and it's not chance and it's not happenstance, it's not accidental but it is by design, and it does come from Him. So we've been developing the notion that the one who lives with bitachon, bitachon is not a decision for the moment. Bitachon is not a muscle that we work out. Bitachon is a lens through which we engage and encounter the world. It's a LASIK corrective surgery. And so we don't see a world filled with opposition, conflict, battling. We don't see a world that's filled with struggle. We see a world that's operating in harmony and unity, and peace, we see a world that is the will of Hashem. We understand and we accept that all that happens is from above. It's not easy. It's not easy to live this level. But yet this is our ambition, this is our aspiration, that the one who can over and over again be engaged in this conversation, in this loving relationship, can nurture that relationship with Hashem by spending time, by communicating, by all the core ingredients of any healthy relationship. Then when the time comes when we need Him, we're not struggling to find Him. We're not looking for Him. We're not working out some emuna muscle. We're not deciding, let me live with faith. It's natural. It's natural. As much as I know my parents are there and they love me and they'll come through for me, is, is to know that Avinu Shabbat my father, is with me and loves me and will come through for me in that, in that moment. 
in that moment. I have many stories to share of late in my life, as I'm sure all of you in yours, as our lives have been turned upside down in this, uh, in this area. In this area. But let's keep going and we'll, we'll get the stories in. That says Ravita Mashwartz, one of the one of the classic mistakes that we all make is to think that we need to acquire the attribute or the character trait or the capacity to live a life of Amun and Bitachon. We're trying to make a Kenyan. We're trying to acquire it. And he says this is a mistake. It's not a matter of go to your next conference or convention. It's not a matter of go to the next meeting. It's not a matter of subscribe to the next newsletter. It's not a matter of you need to acquire the character trait of bitachon. Liknos bitachon lenefesh. To acquire bitachon in our soul. Why? This mistaken notion thinks that I don't have an innate, internal, inherent sense of trust, of faith, the ability to let go and let Hashem. I need to acquire it. Really, I'm born neutral, I'm a blank slate, I'm a tabla rasa, and I need to acquire it. I have to subscribe to the WhatsApp and the newsletter and listen to the shiurim. I have to read the books and surround myself with the people. And I have to learn. I have to learn the attribute. I have to learn the character trait. I have to acquire. I have to acquire the ability. But that's a mistake. It's a terrible mistake. The notion that you have to acquire it is, it's incorrect, it's inaccurate on its head. A life of faith, a life of trust, a life of confidence and calm that Hashem is involved, He's in, in our lives. You can't acquire it. You can't download it. You can't go to the store and buy it. You can't upgrade to it. There's no new version of it. Bitachon is not something that you acquire. It's something that's inside all of us. From the moment that we were born, just like the baby, the newborn emerges from the mother's womb and already feels an affinity, a connection, a trust, an expectation of a mother and father reaches for them, expects to be sustained and nourished and protected by them, knows I have a mother and a father. And maybe... The younger we are, the more um, hopeful or wishful we are. But not always true that our mother and father are as if perfect and can come through for us and can fix anything. And the older we grow, the more that we love and admire them. But we also come to realize that they too are human. But as children of Hashem, we have an innate sense when we are born. We should have the sense, I'm not from nowhere. I have a mother, I have a father. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is both at the same time. He's both at the same time. I have a parent who loves me, who nurtures me, who protects me. It's not an, a character trait I have to acquire. It's not a skill set I have to learn. It's not a degree I have to earn. It's something inside me. It's innate. It's part of my life. Now on this line here in, in Rav Schwartz, I want to say two things. Number one, I saw a beautiful insight, and I don't remember in whose name. The Pasuk says, Ma'alaha The world is filled Kinyanecha normally is translated to mean the world is filled with that which you own, Hashem. It's your world. You own everything in it. You own everything in it. Malaharetz. The world is Kinyanecha. It's yours. However, I saw a beautiful alternative understanding. Malaharetz. Kinyanecha. The world is filled Kinyanecha with our ability to acquire you. A sunset, a stream, a beautiful day 
a conversation, a hot cup of coffee, a wonderful experience. The world is filled with invitations and opportunities to see and to feel and to acquire a relationship with you. Are our eyes open? Is our antenna extended? Do we see him all around? Do we have a Hashkacha Pratis WhatsApp group? And have we been leaving messages and recordings about all the times that we see him from the major times he's come through in monumental ways to the seemingly small, insignificant, seemingly unimportant ways that that too we attribute to him. So when Rav Schwartz talks about you don't make a Kenyan on Bitachon, it's not something we acquire. It's innate, it's inherent, it's intrinsic, it's natural, it's inside each and every one of us. But HaKadosh Baruch you can make a Kenyan. The world is filled with opportunities. It's filled with opportunities to see and to feel and to know Him. That's number one. Number two. Number two. I want to share with you, we've learned this previously, but I think it was a couple years ago. Great student, murdered by the Nazis, Rebuchanan is Kovitz Ma'amarim, has an essay where he asks the following question. He says some of the greatest minds of all of history struggled and grappled to be able to prove that God exists. Aristotle, the great philosopher, and I'm not invoking his name, Rebuchanan does. In the essay in Kovitz Ma'amarim, Rebuchanan says, Aristotle struggled to conclude, is there evidence that's compelling that there is a God, that the Ribbono Shalom, the Almighty exists? So you take a bar mitzvah and a bat mitzvah child, a boy turns 13, a girl turns 12, and you say to them, it's time for Torah and mitzvahs. Put on tefillin, you have to daven, you have to observe Shabbos, you're going to have to fast on Tisha B'av. It's time to observe Torah and mitzvahs. Oh, and among them is, you have to have a moon of faith, you have to know and have a relationship with a God. Ezra Machanan, this little pitzkala, this little bar and bat mitzvah kid, this little teenager, this little adolescent, doesn't know anything in life. They think they do, but they're just starting out on the journey of life. The great philosophers, the most brilliant minds of men and women struggled to conclusively prove that there's a God and this little tzatzkala, this little pitzla, this little kid is supposed to know, conclusively observe that mitzvah? How? How could they possibly be obligated? So Rebuchanan gives a fundamental answer that's so critical to understand what emuna and bitachon are all about. And it's what I believe Rav Schwartz is alluding to, maybe not the inside of Rav Hanan directly, but along the exact same lines. Says Rav Hanan, Emunah and Bitachon don't need to be learned. You're right. If you had to first sit down and investigate and analyze and research and try to understand, is there a God? 12 and 13 are unrealistic and unfair ages to expect someone to do it. But that's not what Emunah and Bitachon are. Emunah and Bitachon you have from the womb. You emerge knowing there's someone bigger, there's someone better, there's more to life. You know there are those who came before. And just like I know that I have parents, I know that I have a parent in heaven, Avinu Shabashamayim. And you know what the whole mission, the whole mandate of parents is? By the time that child is born by mitzvah, don't mess it up. By the time they turn 12 or 13, don't turn them cynical and sarcastic. Don't make them disbelievers. By the time they turn 12 or 13, don't introduce them to what so many adults struggle with and have hang-ups about. But rather, continue, continue to nourish and continue to reinforce within them what they've already always known, that there is a God, that there is a God. 
And this Rav Lachana had a huge impact on my own parenting style. From my older kids who, when they were young, we didn't talk about Hashem to the degree that we do today because we felt it silly. And to talk to a little kid about Hashem helped us find that parking spot. Don't forget to make a bracha and thank Hashem. Isn't Hashem amazing? Look how the weather's perfect for us when we're going out today. It felt silly and it felt unsophisticated. And what did they really understand? What do I even understand? And then we realized how much, how important it is. Children already know that, and now they talk about it, now they see. And I've given you countless examples ad nauseum about our Hashkacha Pratis WhatsApp group and the children as young as my seven-year-old recording voice notes in it. Oh, Hashem, I saw him in this way, I saw him in that way. The more we talk about him, the more, the more he will be in our lives. The more he'll be in our lives. We say, I have amuna ki adaber. ki adaber. I have amuna because I speak about God. I speak about Hashem. So Rav Schwartz here is saying, Amuna, trust in Hashem and the calm and the confidence that it brings that everything will be okay. These aren't acquired traits. You don't go to school for them. You don't get a degree. You can't take an online course. You can't download it. But rather, it's innate, it's internal, it's intrinsic, it's inside you. Take the layers off. Unpeel all the layers of life that have hardened us and disappointed us, that have failed us. Unpeel the layers of life, of ingratitude, of a lack of appreciation, of a failure to recognize where he's been in our life. And underneath it all and inside you, you'll find that at your core is a pintal yid screaming to have a relationship with Hashem. That inside you, in your boich, in your belly, you want to come home to your father. You want to talk to him, you want to spend time with him, you want to feel his guiding and loving hand. You want to know that everything he's doing is for a reason and that it makes sense. It's not random. It's not outside of us. It's inside of us. Stop looking for the solution elsewhere. Stop looking for the solution with someone else. The solution is inside you. Listen to that voice inside yourself. Listen to what you've always known. Nourish it, nurture it, and let it come out. Reveal it and peel back those layers and know it. What child at any age, I've had to many circumstances, counsel adults who lost their parent who had estranged relationships with their parent, and it was devastating. Their parent might have died at 90, 95, 120. And it was devastating when they lost their parent. Why? Why? It was tragic. Because that child was holding out for all those years that maybe my mother or father will finally interact with me the way that I've dreamt a mother or father will. Maybe we'll reconcile. Maybe they'll apologize. Maybe there'll be a conversation that I've craved throughout my entire life. And when that parent leaves this world and with them the possibility of the reconciliation they've wanted so badly, where does that come from? Why as children can't we move on? Why don't we just say, they're not the people I wish they were. I wish I could have chosen other parents, but I can't. Why is the person in such profound and acute pain when the parent doesn't live up to what they hoped the parent would be? And the answer is because inside every one of us, is a natural yearning to relate and connect with our parent, to be protected and loved and complimented by our parent. And when the parent doesn't function in that way, it's devastating to us. But even if our biological parents fail us, and they're not the people we wish and hope they would be, and even if they've left this world and we were never able to repair, we always, from the moment we're born until the day we die, we always have a parent, Avinu Shebashem, I am our Father in Heaven. And you don't have to be taught to want to connect with Him. You don't have to learn it or download it. It's inside every one of us. Honor it. Listen to it. Nurture it. Uncover it. And you will find this incredible sense of relief and love when you finally unburden and love and unload 
By talking to Hashem. By talking to Him. Tell Him your disappointments and frustrations. Protest the decisions that are painful. Thank Him for the incredible blessings that we take for granted each and every day. Lean on Him in tough times. But know that He's always there. And inside you, you know that. There's a pintalayid inside you. It's a pintalayid inside each and every one of us. And so the mission for the 12 and 13-year-old says, is not to teach them that there's a God. You're right. If you had to sit down at the bottom of Mitzvah class and say, okay, boys and girls, today we're going to learn about the evidence for God's existence. Forget about it. You can't get started. But that's not what you have to do. Says All you have to do is get out of the way. Don't ruin it. Don't mess it up. Nurture what they already know inside them. They have you, their mommy and Abba. And they also have an Abba in Shemayim. Just teach them that. They want to believe that. They know that. They do believe that. Don't take away the belief. Don't mess it up. That same child who lahavdil elaf afayavdalos, that same child who's willing to believe in a tooth fairy until some older sibling messes it up and ruins it. So you do know it's mom and dad who put the money under your pillow, right? That same child, lahavdil, lahavdil, lahavdil. That same child knows that there's a Hashem. Even if he's invisible, they can't talk to him or hear him. Don't mess it up. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it to the child that's still inside each and every one of us. Remember, we spent a lot of time talking about it's only once we make a mistake that now we believe we're in a world of battle. When I'm in the good eating zone, when I would never touch the food that's bad for me, ah, there's nothing that's opposing me. There's no force that I have to overcome because I would never touch that poison. But the minute I put a few of those corn chips, those potato chips in my mouth, and I didn't blow up like the girl in Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, I didn't drop dead at that moment. I've introduced chet, I've introduced the ability to make a mistake in my life, and it didn't have lethal consequences. So now, next time I see those corn chips, those potato chips, now, now I've got a struggle, now I've got a battle. It is the introduction of chet. It is the introduction of making mistakes, of deficiencies and shortcomings, that creates a sense of needing to battle and fight through. Really, it was smooth sailing. Really, we know there was a Ribbono Shalom all along. We introduced the fact and the possibility of making a mistake, and that created it. That created the, the obstacle. And now what do I have to trust? Weight Watchers. What do I have to trust? Atkins. What do I have to trust? Every diet app. Once I made a mistake, now I misplace my trust in things outside myself, thinking that the solution and the answer is there. I trust in the bank. I trust in insurance. I trust in my lawyer. I trust in my doctor. And worst of all, I have a inflated sense of trust in myself. I think that I've got it covered, I can micromanage it, I can do anything and everything that I want. I can solve any situation. And says Rav Schwartz, all of these encounters with a sense of trust, they're good, they're good. If you didn't trust your bank, there'd be no credit, there'd be no economy. If you didn't trust your doctor, there'd be no healing. If you didn't trust, you need to trust, we need to trust in every area of our life, that trust is good. But those trusts, we have to realize, pale in comparison. They are only small examples of the ultimate trust. And the ultimate trust is in Hashem, not ourselves. And just like I trust, and I was giving this example to the extreme. I'm looking for a cup. I don't have one. But like we trust I can make the cup of coffee and successfully bring it to my lips and successfully drink it. And all the things that need to go right for it to work that I don't even think about because I implicitly trust. Really, 
I can have the same relationship with Hashem, that all the things that are going right all around me in my life, that I don't take them for granted, but I recognize they're not my skill and management. They are the Ribbono Shalom. You know what the most arrogant and the most distorted and untruthful sense of misplaced trust? I got it. I can control it. I can take care of it. You know what this is? It's intellectual, um, stealing intellectual property. You're a thief. You're stealing. You're giving the credit in the wrong place. You're putting the trust in yourself. So what he's saying is the following. You'll say, I need to learn trust. Someone teach me to trust. Where's the seminar on trust? The answer is, you have trust inside you. You trust the pharmacy, you trust the doctor. You trust the lawyer, you trust the bank, you trust the insurance. Most of all, you trust yourself. You don't have to learn trust. You don't have to go to a seminar elsewhere for trust. You are living with trust in so many other areas of your life. Now, take that sense of trust that you already have and put it where? Put it in. Put it in Hashem. This is our mission. So therefore, says Rav Schwartz, the effort of bitachon is not to acquire it, it's not to learn it, but rather it's to reveal it. So there are two stages to the effort that we have to put in to learn more bitachon. Number one, number one, to be mindful of the sense of trust we already have. To pause and to think about it and to feel it and to recognize it and to acknowledge it and to lean into it. Huh, I trust I can drink this coffee. I trust at the bank. I trust in this arena. To realize I do trust already. And then the second, the harder half, is to take the sense of trust I already have and to realize if I can trust these people and things in my life, then I already have the ability to place my faith and my trust and to turn to Hashem. Hashem is the only that has no hisnagdus. Everything else has hisnagdus. Hisnagdus means tension, battle, have to overcome. There's, there's opposite force. It's a rule of physics. For every force, there's an equal and opposite force pushing back against us. There's friction. Everything in life has friction with the exception of Hashem. And the more I attach myself and the more I credit to Hashem, I have no friction, no opposition in my life. Take away the layers of soiled garments. The garments that cover what is the pure internal sense of self that have been contaminated and blemished by their encounter and engagement with the worst forces in this world, with the negative energies of this world. Remove those contaminated, blemished, soiled garments and reveal a soul that's on fire, a light that's shining bright. Reveal the Pintaliyid that just wants to go home and reunite with our Father. That it's never too late, doesn't matter how old you are, to find Him. And Neila, a couple years ago, was it last year, a couple years ago? We have an older member of our shul who was adopted and decided she would put in the effort to find her biological mother. She's got to be in her 80s, this member. And lo and behold, she found that her biological mother was living in an assisted living facility. She was still alive, deep in her 90s, maybe over 100, living in an assisted living facility right near us. 
And the newspaper did a whole story. They reunited, she met her mother, and while her mother had advanced dementia, her mother did show signs that she remembered and acknowledged this daughter of hers. And what the daughter felt, she just passed away a couple weeks ago, the mother, but what this daughter felt after all those years, after decades of life to be reunited, how a child wants to come home, be reunited, made whole with their parents. It doesn't matter where you are, what stage of life, it's never too late to live with Emunah and Bitachon, to remove those garments, those layers, those soiled, those soiled coverings, and to reveal the soul that's on fire, and that is light, and that just wants to connect. There is a spark of God inside us that has no opposition, and I want to tell you two stories. And every time I tell you these two stories, I hope you realize and know that I'm not trying to focus on myself or my family. I'm just trying to give you examples as a way of hopefully encouragement. And honestly, I'm trying to confess that this is something we're working on in our lives and to invite you to partner and to do it with us. So we um, made the journey last week. We quarantined in Florida, and then we went through our quarantine mobile to quarantine in New York because, Mirza Hashem, please God, two weeks from yesterday, my daughter's getting married, and the governor said you have to quarantine for 14 days when you come from outside of New York. So 20-hour 20, 20 uh, trek, all in one big car. It's never easy to drive straight with your, with your children. And things were moving along relatively slowly, relatively uh, smoothly, rather. We have dear, dear friends, amazing people who lent us a, a minibus that they have that made it easy to fit our whole family and all the luggage. And we're moving along, it's driving smoothly, everything's great, six hours, seven hours. And then the van starts to rock. It's shaking wildly. And while my children are in the back amused, all recording themselves to their friends, you know, saying things where they go, ah, because the whole thing is shaking. Yechevin and I were slightly less amused, worried about what's going on. Pulled over to gas stations, I checked the tires, everything seemed fine. I had no idea, maybe I-95, in uh, Georgia and South Carolina, North Carolina, needs to be paved. I didn't know why the van was rocking the way it was. Until lo and behold, I'm looking on the uh, dashboard, there's a monitor that has the PSI, the air pressure in all four of the tires. And the back left tire, I'm looking, and I see the back left tire whose air pressure is supposed to be on 70, literally right before my eyes. 65, 60, 55, 50, 45, 40. And I said, this tire is losing all of its air. Something's going to happen. So she's already anyway on the phone with my future son-in-law. And she says to him, Khalid, when we get to New York, is there a tire place? We're going to need a tire. So when we get to New York, we were in North Carolina. So when we get to New York, I got to pull over right now. I, I, this tire is going to blow. And as I saw it go down to 25, I pulled over to the shoulder of I-95. Shoulder of I-95 in North Carolina. And I peek outside the car and I look at the tire. And at this point, the tire is entirely flat. Now, this is no ordinary tire. This is the tire of a minibus of a large van, it's like a truck tire. And here we are on the shoulder of I-95 in North Carolina, a car full of relatively young children, and every car that passes us is zipping by on I-95, the entire car is shaking and rattling when they pass us by. So what do you do? You stay calm. You've been going to the Living with Amunashir. You've been giving the Living with Amunashir. You gotta stay calm. Einod Milvado, there's nothing but him. So we turn to each other and say, okay, we'll see what Hashem has in store for us. How is this going to work out? There's going to be a plan, right? The worst part of you, the negative voice inside you, starts to panic. What's going to happen? It's Thursday. We're only in North Carolina. We're going to have to get towed, find a hotel to stay at, find a way to get there. Will we get there before Shabbos? How will this work out? What's going to be? So you start to panic, that side in view. And the other side, the good side, the voice that Rav Schwartz is telling us, the pintalayid, the tselem alokim, the nitzotz, the spark of godliness that has no opposition, friction, says, ha, stay calm, this is an adventure, this is a ride, this is going to be fun. Let's see how this is going to turn out. 
Let's see how it's going to turn out. So I call my roadside assistants who leaves me on hold for 35 minutes because due to COVID, we have fewer people to answer the phone and help you on the side of the road. I won't say who it is, which roadside assistance it is. So I said to Yechavid, you know, call 911 because let them at least send out somebody who's got lights on their car to make sure nobody's going to ram into us. We're here on the shoulder right next to the highway. The cars are zipping by. We feel ourselves rattling. And maybe they know a tow company. Maybe they'll help us. We're sitting on hold. I don't know how this is going to ever end. And if it gets dark, because it was getting close to dark, it'll get only even worse. So she calls 911, and they put her through the highway patrol, and they dispatch someone who's going to come behind us. And in the meantime, we're still sitting there. I'm still on hold with my roadside assistants. The car is still rattling. My kids are still making videos, and we're still living with Amuna, saying, this is going to be an adventure. Ain't no other. Let's figure it out. And all of a sudden, I look up from the dash, and there I see a truck in front of me and a man getting out. And the side of the truck, it says some tire company. In the back of the truck, there are tires. And he comes over to me and he says, can I help you? And I get out of the car, and here is a man who I'm convinced is Elio Anavi, who has a truck that has an air pressure machine that if I tell you he changed the spare tire that I didn't even know this minibus had, it took him maybe eight minutes to change it to the spare tire. The spare tire was exactly the same tire as the tire that blew. And therefore, he got us back on the road in literally no time. And in the middle or at the end of his fixing this tire is when the, when the policeman finally showed. And he looked at the tire that was changed. It was shredded. It was ripped. And he said to me, he said, do you know how close you were to this tire blowing and your car spitting out of control and how tragic this could have been? Do you begin to understand what could have happened and how lucky you are? So there is a moment and there are moments in our lives where you can panic. And maybe this is an easy story to tell because it ends well. But all stories, you got to take that deep breath, the breath of life, neshama, neshima, restore and return our soul, the telm elokim, the nitzot eloki, the godly spark, and lean on him and listen to him and know that he's got a plan. It's a journey. You're along for the ride. Says Rav Schwartz, you could live life with his nagdas, opposition and forces against having to battle and friction. You could panic and lose your cool. You could start screaming at your spouse and your children. You could start worrying what's going to be, how will we get hotels and how will we get towed and how long will it take till they find this tire and will we get to where we need to get before Shabbos and how will we get food. You can lose it or you can live with it. You can let go and let God. You can say, Hashem, there's a plan. I don't know what it is, but it's what's going to be right and we're going to be fine. So we got here and it all worked out well. And then on Sunday, we went to get tested to make sure that we're all good as we begin the quarantine towards the wedding in Baruch Hashem. We all tested negative, but a member of the family wasn't feeling great and said, let's go again yesterday. Spoke to someone who said, double to check, make sure it wasn't a false negative and get tested with the rapid test again. Let's make sure. So I was driving back to the clinic yesterday and on the car ride, we sang Einod Milvado. And we said, you know what the best part of Emunah and Bitachon and Hashem is? You don't have to root for one way or the other how the test is going to come out. Whichever way the test comes out is the best, is what's meant to be. So it's so great. Usually you'd worry and you'd stress. Is it going to be negative? Is it going to be positive? What is the impact of it being negative? How does it affect the timeline of what we need to do? What does it affect the rest of us who need to quarantine? What's going to be? What's going to happen? How will it work out? Normally you panic when you consider the alternatives. But when you live a life of emunah bitachon, then you never need to panic. This is the calm. Remember how this all began? Bitach. Remember, Shimon and Levi entered the city, Betach. They came in with a sense of confidence because they knew that they had, they knew that they had um, set up the situation to triumph, to persevere, to win. They knew. They knew that they had manipulated everything in their favor. And therefore, they were able to enter the city of Shechem, Betach. 
they were able to end, enter with a sense of confidence and calm because they knew it would turn in their favor. And when you go through life and you know, and even as you face hard things, and we're davening for Ari this morning, and please God, everything is going to be well, and you wonder and you wait, tests and returns and what's going to happen and what will be, and it's not easy. It's not easy. A flat tire is nothing compared to the waiting some are doing. And I've told my family, thank God we've been negative. I've tested three times. I've been negative all three times. But I will tell you, if nothing else, it gave me a fraction of 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 what people waiting for real tests are waiting, what it's like to wait to hear back from that lab or from that report and to want to know something that could change the trajectory of your life. The level of empathy it gives me for the people who have to sit and wait a fraction of a fraction, a nothing of a nothing of what they go through when we wait, particularly a rapid test, you're waiting a whole 20 minutes to hear what it is, it should make all of us more sympathetic and empathetic, more loving and more caring, more understanding of people who have to wait for real tests, real tests with real negative impact, with real negative impact. But this is the message of, of Rav Schwartz, and, and we're really finishing up in the next couple of sessions. We'll get through this piece and turn to our next Limud, because we've been learning this for long, many months together already. But this is what Rav Schwartz is telling us. Stop looking for the answer elsewhere. Stop looking for the solution. Not many people say, Rabbi, if only someone would give me the inspiring speech. Rabbi, if only you gave me the right book. If only life you know, treated me a certain way, then I'd have bitachon and emuna. No, the answer is not outside of you. The answer is not in someone else. The answer is not in some seminar, some speech, some book. The answer is inside you. Just peel it back, reveal it, uncover it, and find it, and express it, and nurture it. The answer is inside you. Turn to him. Trust in him. And in those moments, take that deep breath and remember, Ein od melvado. Whether you want to sing it or say it, whether you just want to think it, Ein od melvado. There is no one. There is nothing. The nefesh ha'chaim, Rav Chaim the skula, that when you're going through a difficult time, when you're in a circumstance and you're not sure how you'll get out, simply declare over and over again, Ein od melvado. There is nothing but you. So whichever way the test turns out, however this flat tire story turns out, I, I, I've never lost my calm or cool. Why would I? Because you're the one planning the program. I'm just along for the ride. You, the omnipotent, infinite being, are the ones, are the one who has organized how this is meant to be. It's an adventure. I can't wait to find out. Are we going to be back on the road? Or are we going to be sleeping in a hotel? Are we going to be towed? Or are we going to get to our destination? When? Why? How? Why? Is the test going to be positive and we have to refigure out a timeline and quarantining? And, and Davin, of course, that no one's health fails. Or is the test going to be negative and we're back on track to where we were? I'm not worried either way because you're in charge, you're in control, you decide. And I'd much rather you decide than I decide. Because if it's a choice between your timeline or mine, if it's a choice between your results or mine, and your omnipotent infinite always knows what's best, I defer to you. I choose you each and every time. Each and every time. So I share these stories not for your sympathy because Baruch Hashem, everything has turned out amazing and well and wonderful and wonderful. And Amir Hashem, it should for all of you and all of us as well. And even when it doesn't, every time you take two steps forward, it's like you take a step back. But each time he comes through one way or another, things work out. And Amir Tzashem, they should continue to work out. A good chaydash should be a good month of menachem av. Not just of av, but menachem av. I'll end with this because it really actually fits exactly into what we're saying. And thank you for bearing with me and going a little extra over this week. Why is it called menachem av? It's the month of av. It's the month of av. Why is it called menachem av? Menachem Av. And the answer is because this is the month that we return to our father. Yes, our father withdrew for a time. He says, you don't get along with the rest of my children. I don't want to spend time with you. You can't cozy up to me when you can't get along with your siblings. 
If you don't get along with your siblings, then you and I are not close. We're not good until you figure it out with your siblings. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. And therefore, he has to withdraw from us in a way that feels punitive, in a way that feels painful. And we daven and we long to restore and to reconnect and to reconcile with him, to be together again. But even that is an act that is menachem av. Says the Katzker Rebbe, you know, if you see an adult who's reprimanding a child, you know the adult is the child's parent. Because that no, no regular adult cares enough about the child to reprimand them. The only one who cares enough, who's invested enough to reprimand them is their own parent. And so even though this is the month we feel reprimanded by Hashem, the menachem of what's comforting is to know He's our Father. Even when He's reprimanding us, even when He's teaching us a lesson, even when He's trying to rehabilitate us, He's menachem of. That in itself is evidence that He is our Father. And that in itself should be a source of nechama. So peel back those layers and take off those soiled garments and reveal the pintaliyid, the spark of Kedusha of holiness inside us, the sense of being able to live with Ein Od Movado, and with it wishing everyone to stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy. Have a wonderful day. Tonight, 9 o'clock, behind the bima, with the one and only Eli Beer, the founder of United Hatzalah, who recently recovered from Corona, and who was a heroic founder of an amazing movement of Hatzalah. Join us tonight, 9 o'clock. Wishing everyone... A wonderful day.